the memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red flood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, the winner. It won't be this time. The Stories. Prukop to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years! And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans, from CU at the Game. This is Stuart Whitehair, publisher and editor for the See What the Game website and your host for the See What the Game podcast. I am joined for this episode by Brad Geiger and Neil Langland, and we are here to give you our last review preview of the 2023 season. First, a program note. The review preview episodes have been posted on Tuesdays during the regular season. After this week's podcast, we will be going back to posting every other week with new episodes being posted on Fridays. So look for our next podcast, talking about roster moves and recruiting, to be posted the first weekend of December. We will open this podcast with a review of CU's ugly loss on the road against Washington State. As is our custom for the post-mortem on a game, we will give our grades for what about the CU effort was excellent, what was satisfactory, and what still needs improvement. And we'll leave it a secret as to which category requires the most comment after the Buffs humbling loss in Pullman. We will then move on to our tips for the upcoming matchup against Utah. Our preview will look at the game from the perspectives of talent, intangibles, preparation, and statistics before giving you our prediction for a game which will be played on a crisp Saturday afternoon in Salt Lake City. So, will Shador Sanders play? And even if he does, will the game be worth watching? Can the Buffs catch a down Utah team, which has lost three of its last four games? Or is it CU, which has lost interest in the 2023 season? Will Coach Prime and his staff be able to rally the troops for one last push? Or is it time for the Buff Nation to start looking forward to the 2024 season? Let's find out. Okay, and we are back for the last review preview of the 2023 season. Joined from Highlands Ranch, Colorado by Brad Geiger. How's Brad doing? Okay, weather came in today. It's not so pleasant, but otherwise doing all right. All right, and... Downtown, I love Turkey Day, Langland. How's Neil doing today? Planning my ski t- uh, trip for Thursday. Uh, <laughs> going up again tomorrow. You know, there's a little area just next to this big hole in the wall in the Continental Divide to the west that had pretty good snow last week. So I'm looking to go. And I'm still kind of having nightmares about last Friday night. Yes. And that wasn't from the... Uh 
extra hot chocolate and the schnapps you had up on the hill. It was from something else, I take it? There was this thing on Saturday night late or Friday night late that kept me up until Saturday morning. Yeah. Uh, 56-14, Washington State over Colorado. Um, we always do our review talking about what was excellent, satisfactory, and needs improvement. I have a feeling it might be weighted heavy towards needs improvement. But uh, Brad, you want to kick it off? Was there anything that was excellent about this game? Anything that was even satisfactory about this game in your world? Seven minutes of Shadur Sanders was satisfactory. That touchdown catch from Travis Hunter was, you know, highlight worthy in a game that we didn't have any highlights. That'd be about it. Uh, otherwise, I mean, it's just sad. They're the 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 offensive line played as badly as they have. Secondary couldn't cover. The defensive line couldn't stop, and our special teams broke down worse than they have all year. It's it's very difficult to find any positives out of that game. Okay, well, Neil, any uh, anything in the, either the excellent or satisfactory category, or? Anything well, that's not needs improvement? I'm going to go along with Brad. Uh, the things that he mentioned, Travis also had an amazing above-the-rim catch uh, toward the end of the game. That was pretty amazing, I thought. And I liked the punt return that Xavier Weaver had. I put that in the excellent category. The only thing that was satisfactory was I liked seeing you know a, a tight end you know an actual actual y type tight end in the game and blocking on pass plays and running plays as well as a wing back that's an offensive lineman that helped a little bit and at least the coaches are trying something new so that gives a satisfactory but uh, the punting i thought was excellent he shanked one but otherwise his punts were we're great. Okay. Well, unfortunately, he gets plenty of practice in a game like this. Uh, Mark Bassett has been, yeah, doing well for most of the season and had another good game in the in the cold in the Palouse. Uh, the only thing I put under the excellent category is that the game only counts for one loss. <laughs> you know, if there was something where he – you lose by three touchdowns or more accounts as two losses or something like that, or you don't get to play the next week, something like that. You just have to, you know, shrug it off and hope that, uh, you know, as the old saying goes, they don't beat you. Don't let the same team beat you twice. The only thing that was satisfactory, and again, we're just being facetious in all this because, well, it's kind of hard to, you know, you have to laugh because you don't want to cry. Uh, that Sia won't have to be going back to Pullman anytime soon. I guess I should have pulled up this stat before the game, but the last three times CU played Washington State in Pullman, they scored a total of 13 points in three games. So actually scoring 14 points against Washington State in Pullman was something of a trick the last three times. 2015, 27 to 3, 2017, 28 to nothing, 2019, 41 to 10. So if we uh, 
saw the writing on the wall. We should have seen this one coming. I think I should have petitioned the CU Athletic Department, dear Rick George, and said, the only two times or the last two times that Colorado has actually won in the state of Washington against Washington State, I was actually both at both of those games. <laughs> in 2004, they did the makeup game for the 9-11 game, the 20, 2001 game that got canceled. They played in Seattle in 2004, and I was at that game, and they won. I think it was 20 to 12, something like that. And then in 2012, the first game in the Pac-12 as a member of the Pac-12 in Pullman, I went to that game. They won 35-34, the last second touchdown. It turned to be turned out to be the only uh, win Colorado had that entire John Embry season. So if somebody just, you know, bought me a plane ticket or, you know, even a bus ticket, maybe things would have turned out a little bit better. And the needs improvement category, obviously, everything kind of fits in that category. But what uh, what do you, Brad, was the the most disappointing about this uh, this effort in Pullman? Was the lack of effort. I mean, there were there were moments. Um, you know, the last drop, the last touchdown drive. There are times they looked good, but it it, it really felt like some of the players quit. Some of them just once Shadur got hurt in particular, that just at least for a period of time, the second and third quarter, they just didn't particularly seem able to figure out how to keep playing the game. We've known that this is a Shadur based team. You know, we knew that the backups were probably not particularly good, but the coaching staff did not do a good job, uh, not only needs improvement, but needs great improvement in helping, teaching the team to rally from that kind of massive setback. And, I, you know, they were going to – once Shador went down, they were going to lose this game, but they didn't have to lose it this like this. Yeah. Neil, would, uh, would you agree again, as Brad noted, I mean, we knew that if Shador ever wasn't in the game that things were not going to be pleasant for the CU offense, which has struggled even with Shador. But – was there some quit there? Does this remind you of 2022 as some of the pundits have uh, opined in the past few days that this uh, team has regressed to 2022 levels? I do agree with Brad. And for me, not seeing the game in person and being able to watch the sideline and the body language and so on, and just judging from what went on in the field, they seemed like a step slow. They seem like their efforts to get off blocks um, and pursuit, that was all below what we're used to seeing. The size of the holes that the running backs had to run through, the huge windows that their quarterback had to throw into, that just seems like lack of attention. I know Coach Prime was trying to say that he really got on them at halftime and got them to play the second half, but one of the, not to get too far ahead, but one of the statistics that I had was uh, time of possession. And they're almost equal in the aggregate. But I looked at the drive charts and Washington State's drives were all pretty quick. I think the average was close to three minutes, you know, seven or eight plays. And we were being gashed that whole time. 
And I don't think the Washington state talent is that far superior to ours at this point. So to me, the difference was effort and focus. And I think we lacked that. Yeah. Well, and now we're going to turn our attention, Brad, any, any final comments about the uh, final game against Washington State, at least as members of the, the Pac-12? They announced that the Apple Cup's going to continue. Washington and Washington State are going to keep playing through 2028, but uh, no such agreements with the University of Colorado at this point. <laughs> For those who are massive fans of this long storied rivalry with Washington State, would not <laughs> hold your breath for our next trip to Poland. I think that uh, that is uh, that that is a venue that CU will not look back upon with any kind of uh, deep regret or longing for future visits. So, uh, okay. I you know it, it's never been a favorite place by anybody except those who went to Pullman. So it's as we'll get into later. It's another one of those. Well, that's that's in the past. Yeah. Well, I don't think there's a plaque anywhere noting that Bill McCartney's first victory as head coach at the University of Colorado was in Pullman. Actually, it was in Spokane, but the, uh, his first win was a second game of the 82 season, a 12 nothing victory in Spokane against Washington State. So don't even get to have the thrill of saying that Coach McCartney won his first game um, on Washington State campus. I think that game was actually in, in Spokane. So moving on to hopefully better days, um, we're going to be playing University of Utah, which has dominated Colorado since the two teams joined the, the Pac-12. CU had an advantage in the all-time series some 12 years ago. Doesn't have one now. Two games behind in the all-time series um, heading into the 2023 finale. We're going to go through our tips. And again, hopefully you've been with us all season, been with us for many seasons. That's talent, intangibles, preparation, and statistics. And Brad, I'll let you lead off with the talent portion. What about the University of Utah Utes is interesting to you or noteworthy about the talent of this uh, team that the Buffs are going to be playing Saturday, 1 o'clock on the Pac-12 Networks? Which, by the way, is another farewell none of us will miss <laughs> <laughs> up against the Ohio state Michigan game. I'm, I'm sure the audience will be back to normal CU 2022 levels. If we're, uh, we're being honest about how many people are going to be watching this game. ESPN had the chance to pick this one up and said, no, I mean, primes, we love prime, but we're, we're good. We will, uh, yeah. we'll take the Arizona, Arizona state game. We'll take the territorial territorial cup instead. Well, I mean, what's important about the Utah talent is that they are very particularly assembled to fit into that program. They have, you know, the, the coaching staff has been together for a while. Kyle Whittingham knows exactly what he wants to do. He knows exactly the players he wants. And, he bring, and he's able to, in general, bring them in. He's, you know, he gets good but not great recruiting classes but he knows his guys and he knows how to play them. They are suffering from a talent deficit at quarterback. 
It's what happens when you rely on one guy who's been playing for what, 16, 17 years? <laughs> and is coming back for the 2024 season. Yeah. Yeah. Cam, yeah, rising Cam will rising will rise again. With with yet more eligibility. But you know, particularly on defense, they've got some playmakers, they've got some guys who can play. More importantly, particularly in the defensive line, they just got guys that come at you. Um, they have a big, pushy, not particularly athletic offensive line, but solid that does what they need. Talent-wise, do they compare with some of the big-time schools in the Pac-12? No, but they compete with them really well, and that's what matters. This is, this is the advantage of having had a coach there for all these years who's developed one system and lived with that system. They are very talented for what they are expected to do. Okay. Well, Neil, what uh, stood out to you about the uh, two-time defending Pac-12 champions that have struggled to a 7-4 and four record this year? Well, all of Brad's comments are incorporated herein by reference. And, <laughs> nice legalese there, Counselor. Well, you guys are rubbing off on me. I, I, so <laughs> if you know of an antidote, please let me know. I think the talent is what Brad said, is their coach and their coaching staff. If you remember when we joined the conference, I think our first year was we had Embry, they had Whittingham, so you won. And if you take the trajectories of the two programs since that time, I think you can assign the difference to the dedication that the University of Utah has to football, as well as excellent coaching. And they recruit from all over. They get excellent linemen on both sides. Um, I think while they're not huge in either way, but they're very physical, very strong, and they play hard. Their quarterback, yeah, not so much, but they do have a great running back, a big kid, and who's also fast, tough to bring down, breaks tackles. And they've got a couple of nice receivers. So in terms of that, our offense is going, our defense is going to be well challenged. And on defense, their rush defense, their front guys are it's tough. And I think we're going to have an exceptionally hard time running the ball. <laughs> well, we have an exceptionally hard time running the ball in practice. Um, <laughs> against so, our defensive line. <laughs> against, yeah, against our defensive line. Um, <laughs> The only thing, you know, I took any note of with regards to the talent portion really is the the injuries that they've been suffering. Cam Rising, of course, is first in, on top of that list. And, yes, as noted, he went back to the 2024 season, his seventh year as a collegian. So redshirt year, COVID year, now medical redshirt year. Class of 2018 will be back to play in the 2024 season. So we'll see him next year at some point. But on defense, there's they're really banged up. And one player that we're super happy we don't have to play against, Jonah Ellis, he was leading the nation with 12 sacks through 10 games. He is now injured. He missed the Arizona game. He's not going to play against Colorado. So his 12 sacks are going to be on the sideline, which is helpful. The second, the linebacker, Kareen Reed, second on the team in tackles, 
is going to miss the CU game. Safety Cole Bishop, who's third on the team in tackles, is, as the Salt Lake City Tribune mentioned, is iffy to play against Colorado. So they've been, there's one of the reasons that they're seven and four this year is that they've been really decimated by injuries. And you both alluded to Bryson Barnes, who is, well, not Cam Rising. And he did have his first 300-yard game passing last week, but you tend to get to 300 yards passing when you fall behind 28 to nothing on the first play of the second quarter. So Utah went out of its comfort zone and threw the ball for three and a half quarters instead of running the ball, which is their their preference. You know, it's 15-yard yards passing. He has 10 interceptions, but nine interceptions already to go with 12 touchdowns. So not a very good ratio there. So, yeah, not a great quarterback. Uh, you talked about LaQuindon Jackson. He's the running back that has over 600, almost 700 yards rushing. I don't think CU has 700 yards rushing as a team. But, yeah, we're, we're going to petition the NCAA to take sacks out of rushing offense so we can at least move up into the hundreds somewhere in rushing offense. Um, their version of Travis Hunter, Sion Vakai, um, I don't know if you, you saw that against Cal. He had 158 yards rushing. This is a safety that they brought in because they were hurt on running back. But he, they haven't used him since. Against Arizona, he had four runs for 10 yards. So um, he was kind of their great safety slash, you know, all-purpose back, but they haven't been using him. So we're okay with that. Devon Vell or Vele is almost 600 yards receiving. Yeah, it's not a great offense, but like you guys, you know, Brad, you mentioned, it's not designed to be a great offense. They rely on a stout defense. They wait for the other team to make mistakes and they run the ball. They hold on to the ball and they're happy to win a rock fight. They don't mm -hmm. want, need to win 37 34. They're perfectly content winning 21 13. If it comes down to a kicking game, just so Buff fans are prepared for this. Their kicker, the name should sound familiar, Cole Becker, who Ooh. is, yeah, <laughs> Cole <laughs> Becker, formerly yeah. the Colorado kicker. He's 12 for 15 this year with a long of 50, 51 yards, hasn't missed any extra points. So comes down to a kicking duel, probably advantage Utah in the cold weather that we're going to be facing. Moving on to intangibles, Neil, you get to be up first. Any intangibles about this game that uh, that stand out to you? I think Utah needs, excuse me, likely will be a little disappointed with their season. They've had a couple of not quite CU style beatdowns where they really haven't been themselves. Uh, they seem to be kind of an off and on team. I think their coaching staff will probably have them up for this one and probably want to close out this season with a bowl game and just look forward to next year. Therefore, I'm going to say that perhaps their players may be looking past the buffs a little bit. And so you might have some opportunity to catch them a little bit sleepy. We'll see. I think that's a thin read. That's about the best I could do for the Utes. I think CU, I have no idea where their head 
or hearts are after that miserable performance last week and the possibility that Shadur won't play this uh, this game. I think there was a, some Denver press that suggested both Shadur and Travis should sit out this game. You know, I don't see anything to be gained by playing Shadur. Suspect he'll probably want to play, but I can't see CU putting up much of a fight here. I'm sorry to be so oblique about this point, but I think they're looking forward to the offseason right now. Okay. Brad, do you want to shed a little light on the uh, the dimness that comes out of uh, Larimer Square this evening? <laughs> um, well, obviously the big intangible is whether Shadur is going to play. Considerations in college football are simply different. You know, it, uh, if this was the professional team, there's zero chance Shadur Sanders would play. But, you know, we will not know, I suspect, until later this week if he is going to play. And we know that this team rallies around him, and we know that this team relies on him. And so that is the biggest intangible. You know, Utah's playing out the screen. That was that was as bad a loss as they've had in a long time to Arizona. They just got whooped. And winning hand teams don't generally get whooped. Sometimes they get out talented. But Arizona just took it to them from the start and was, you know, the rest of the season or, or Utah's been able to say, well, if we had Cam Rising, we'd have been in it. Last week, they just got dominated by a team that was clearly better, a team which, by the way, CU played much closer. So, yeah, I don't think Utah is going to be all that fired up. I don't think they're going to come out raging. Um, I think they're going to play a very workmanlike game. If Shadur plays, if the weather's decent, you know, see, you could have a slight incentive advantage in this. They've taken a lot of criticism this week, and they might respond to that. If Shadur doesn't, that's, again, the biggest intangible. This team doesn't have a chance. Yeah, I don't think anybody would be excited about watching that game without Shadur and uh, Coach Prime seemed to indicate that, you know, he wanted to play. And if he was available to play, you know, he would play. He's uh, got the opportunity to break some more single season records. Not that that's the most important thing, but, you know, he only gets so many times as a collegian to to suit up. And if he's physically able to, I suspect we will see him. I don't buy the Denver media saying that he should sit out. They want him to sit out. So see, he'll have another 56 to 14 game. Yeah, I don't even get me started on Denver media. So I I had basically the same under for my written tips that comes out Wednesday. I entitled it Who Cares? And not even being facetious, it's like which team cares yeah. that Utah, you know, defending two-time defending Pac-12 champions, they've lost three of the last four games. Now it's again against ranked opponents, but you know, as you guys noted, I mean this. You know, we never trailed. CU never trailed Arizona until the final gun. Mm-hmm. They were behind 28 to nothing, 16 minutes into the game. And, yes, the game was in Tucson, and CU played in Boulder, but that's a pretty wide disparity there. Yeah. So as much as CU fans are lamenting getting blown out, Utah got blown out. And where they go from here, which minor bowl they're going to be playing in, 
I mean, in the pecking order, you know, obviously Oregon and Washington are going to be going to, if not the playoffs, a New Year's Six game, and then you've got Oregon State that's going to be going to a good game. USC, <laughs> yeah. For those that are after Coach Prime, do you realize that USC's lost five of the last six games? They were 6-0, and and then they lost five of the last six games, but okay, Coach Prime doesn't know how to coach. So, yeah. John and Lincoln you, Riley's a genius, right? Lincoln Riley. And this was with Caleb Williams, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner in, oh, by the way, all those four- and five-star players. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Gurr, whatever. And maybe the crowd won't be as much of a factor. I mean, Utah does have a very good home field advantage. The game will be mid-afternoon, which will be the warmest as it's going to get, but it's still only going to be in the 30s. And again, you know, Utah is a bowl game to play for, so the players have one more game to practice for and suit up for. Maybe the fans are going to be like, well, we're used to beating CU. This isn't a game we really need to go to. Maybe it won't be as loud, and the students will be home for Thanksgiving break. Maybe it won't be as much of an advantage as it has been in the past. But again, drawing straws here, trying to find some reason to be optimistic about this game. So, Brad, I'll come back to you for preparation and schedule. Anything uh, about this game that uh, is interesting to you in terms or either team might have an advantage? You know, it's nice not to travel this time of the year. It's, you know, CU's got to play two road games to end the season. Um, They've, you know, got whooped in Pullman. It takes forever to get back from Pullman. Thanksgiving week is always always strange and harder on the tra- on the traveling team so you know preparation advantages to the Utes and again this is just something that Whittingham and his staff are ready to do they've prepared a team for this situation they prepared this particular team for this situation and you know they don't know which quarterback they're going to be playing they're going to presume they're playing Shadur um, and there's no reason for their you know blitz every second play the plan to be any different if we play our backup quarterback. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can definitely just, you know, put the Pac 12 network on, record, and go watch the Michigan Ohio State game and just kind of come back and see if it's yeah. interesting. Well, hope somebody's, hope the quarterback's alive. Yes. Um, there was some signs of life from the rushing game last week. I don't know if that's because Washington. Uh, Washington State didn't care, you know, so that may be somewhat different, but this is just every thing says this is what Utah is prepped for to just grind out the game here. Okay. Neil, anything to add on the schedule part of things or the preparation part of things, the P in our tips? Uh, just looking over the comparison of CU's offense to Utah's defense. It doesn't look good for our running game for sure. There may be some ability to throw if uh, we can get Shadur, if he plays some time to throw the ball. Maybe we can get some players back this week, like uh, Trevor Woods perhaps. And I'm just hoping that somehow I think CU, if they are motivated, can at least put up a fight. 
for a half, but I think they're going to be overcome simply by Utah's superior athletes. I don't know what you do to prepare about a superior team uh, that has a little more motivation perhaps than your guys do. I don't have anything other than that. Um, there are just not many options for CU at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have much under preparation schedule other than, you know, yes, it is hard to get, very hard to get out of Pullman and get back to Boulder, especially, or it would be a Saturday morning in this case. The fact that they do have that extra day for Shadur to heal and hopefully Coach Prime to get over his cold if he could get an extra day to get healthy. Um, the only thing I had, you know, just in terms of, again, preparation, this is a CU's bowl game. And once again, trying to find that needle in a haystack that for some of the CU players, this is maybe their audition tape that whether they're auditioning for the 24 CU team or if they think that they're auditioning for the transfer portal, now, you don't want a bunch of individual players. You want to play as a team. This is a team game. But if there's any individuals out there that are motivated to put something good on tape, well, this is the last chance for the CU players to do that, whereas the Utah players still have a bowl game to get ready for, maybe with a little less pressure. Maybe they're looking forward to the bowl game because it's not the Pac-12 championship game. It's not the Rose Bowl and all the – associated fanfare but all the associated pressure that comes along with it maybe they're looking forward to the las vegas bowl or the sun bowl where they can just uh get their goodie bag and enjoy the time and play against the lesser opponent that's also eight and four or seven and five so yeah not a lot going on there the last category is statistics and neil you get to start with stats what numbers uh, stand out to you? Well, as I mentioned a moment ago, guys, our running game that produces, uh, let's see, somewhere around 70 yards per game. The rushing defense for Utah ranks sixth in the, in the nation at 88 yards per game. So when people say, let's try to establish the running game, uh, I've always thought that that's bit of a wish that we just simply don't have a chance to fulfill. And this is not the week to try it. I mean, we have to do it <laughs> to keep the defense honest, but we're not going to make any yardage on the ground, quite frankly, even if Shadur is playing. And a lot of the yardage that we have gotten in the running game has been not by the running backs, but by Shadur scrambles. So that's a dead end this week. Utah you're saying, it's, you're saying it's not the Charlie offered all coming out party. <laughs> I don't see why they don't do that. Um, you know, the guy seems to find yardage somehow where other guys can't. Uh, the running backs were uh, a strength of the team coming into the season. And it's a shame that they haven't been able to really show their talents because I think with a decent um, scheme and line that they could perform very well. We just, we can't get the running game off the ground. So let that go. Try to focus on extra pass protection. They, as you mentioned, their leading sacker is not here, but they're still able to put pressure on the quarterback. 
and every team that we've faced really has come up with blitzes that I noticed a couple times last week where Shadur, even before he was receiving the snap, he was starting to run to flee the rush. It's <laughs> so yeah. they have to do something to protect whoever is in the in there because then statistically we just don't match up in any category whatsoever. Yeah. It's hard when your quarterback, you know, even on first and ten, and he's running around like it's third and thirteen, you know, that they just know you're going to pass the ball and they don't even respect the run. So it's just, you know, see quarterback, get quarterback. That's kind of hard to plan against that. Brad, any any numbers, any stats that uh, you think are positive and or negative going into this game? I have a stat that I think will demonstrate exactly how this game will go. Uh, I As you know, I'm not a massive fan of time of possession, particularly in college football. But Utah is fourth in the country in time of possession. Colorado was 113th. <laughs> you know, you can talk about, there's a lot of reasons for that, including that we like to be a quick strike offense. But the bottom line is this. Um, Utah will do everything they can to hold on to the ball for as long as they can. You know, we had a lot of three and outs last week um, that I fear that when we look up at the end of this game, you know, Utah may have held the ball 38 minutes. Yeah. And that that will just be the advantage is that it will be a short game. Yeah, that uh, when you got two teams that want to pack it in, one team that just needs the win to uh you know, call it good for the season, get to eight wins. The other team's just looking to pack it in for the season. Yeah, a team that likes to run the ball, a team that likes to possess the ball against a team that can't stop anybody on third and two and just allows 10 and 12 play drives. Yeah, that uh, it doesn't bode well. The only number I would point out, the only stat that I think is important for this game, and again, it's not a can't be a positive stat, but it needs to be a positive stat for the buffs that she was, you know, actually 14th in the nation tied for 14th in the nation and turnovers lost. There's only been 10 turnovers, which mm -hmm. for a team that's, you know, struggled, that's, yeah. that's pretty good. But there's other teams that are tied for 14th in the nation and turnovers lost. And one of them happens to be, Oh, wait for it. Utah. The Utes of Utah, yes. Utah, Utah. Utah Utes that like to run the ball have exactly, wait for it, one fumble this season. So if uh, C used to have a chance, you know, three touchdown underdogs, if C used to have a chance in this game, it's got to be like a three or four turnover margin, plus margin for the boss. They've got to have some turnovers. they got to score on the turnover. Defense has to score. They've seen how it's done. You know, all I had to do was watch the Washington State defense. The special teams need to score. They know how that's done. The Washington State showed them how to do that. You know, the offense is not going to put up enough points to win, so it's got to come from the defense and special teams. And unfortunately, they're going up against a team that doesn't turn the ball over. So there's got to be something that's going to flip that switch for the Buffs to have a chance. Um, if Sudur is going to play, he did with just a few – snaps and a few completions become the CU all-time passing yards leader for a single season. He passed 
Seppo's numbers from 2014. Seppo had 3,200 yards. Shadur now is 3,230 after the effort uh, against Washington State. He has 27 touchdowns. This is the, I think if we have a first thing go with the one, we're going to throw the ball. That CU, uh, Shadur has Sanders has 27 passing touchdowns. The single season record is also held by Seppo, and that's 28. So needs one touchdown pass to tie Seppo. He's not going to catch him on passing attempts or completions. Right now he holds the single season record for completion percentage, but it's kind of close. He's at 69.3, been sliding down. He was like in the mid-70s for a good chunk of the season. He's down to 69.3. The single season record 68.4, and that was Coy Detmer all the way back in 1995. So wow. he's got to have a good game, not throw a bunch of incompletions if he's going to be playing, and he can hold that record as well. So, again, not stats that mean a whole lot, but maybe they mean enough to Shadur that he wants to play, and you don't play the entire season and get that close to having single-season records and then just shut it down, I don't think. But mm-hmm. perhaps, maybe not his choice. Maybe the uh, physicians will say that you uh, – you ain't going to play, and that's the end of it. But if he's given the option to play, I think that Shadur will probably want to play and probably compete and uh, get out there and see what he can do to help the Buffs try and win their fifth game of the season. So now we're up to the the fun prediction part of our program. Brad, we all predicted a CU victory last week. When we did the podcast three months ago, we all predicted that they would lose to Washington State on the road, but uh, we got the better of ourselves watching Washington State come in with a six-game losing streak and hope that that might be win number five. But uh, CU at least started out as a three-touchdown underdog. I think 20.5 was the last number that I saw. So how do you see Colorado at an unranked Utah team Fell out of the rankings for the first time in two years. How do you see that playing out Saturday afternoon in Rice-Eccles Stadium, Salt Lake City? First of all, anybody dumb enough to bet this game right now without knowing if Shadur Sanders is going to play um, deserves to lose whatever money they think they can put on this game. Um, (laughs) And I will not be one of those people. If Shadur plays, again, I think this is a team, this is a game both sides are looking to get out of. I think CU could score as many as 17 points. Um, and given what Utah's got and their limitations on offense, this could be a you know 30 to 17 game. If Shador doesn't play, then it's probably more 42-14. Okay. Neil, how do you see this game playing out? Well, I'm trying to get over my disappointment from my preseason pick where I said at this point, CU was going to be five and six and they would rise up and win this game and go to a bowl. So about mid quarter against Washington state, I tried to think of alibis (laughs) to being so egregiously wrong and being sucked into something like this. But I think Brad's right. You have to look at scenarios and add in that despite uh, Whittingham's 
coaching chops. He does like to run up the score. And if he get a gets a chance to do that, I think he'll go into the 50s. And I, I see that if Shadour plays, he's not going to be himself. And it's going to be hard for him to complete passes in the weather and against that defense. I could see it being something like 42 to 10. And if Shadour doesn't play, the game will probably come off the board because the sky would literally be the limit in terms of what Utah could score. So I'm going to go with 42-10. Okay. Well, I'm going with the idea that Utah just wants to win the game without getting any more injuries, that they're perfectly content, like Brad, you're saying, get 38 minutes of time of possession, have 12 play drives, it takes seven minutes. They don't need to score a bunch of points to win this game. So I'm kind of going against you, Neil. I don't think that they really want to run up. I think they just want to run out the clock. When the two teams played two years ago, Colorado, I remember I got like two turnovers, like the first two possessions, and got like three points out of it. You know, that they got a field goal and then they turned the ball back over again. And, you know, and then they ran the second half kickoff back for a touchdown to make it semi-interesting. And then they just kind of slowly got run out of the stadium. And so 28 to 13 was the final, but it was never even that close. And that's kind of how I'm seeing this game. I kind of, I put it down as 28 to 13, that, you know, once they get to 20, Utah doesn't need any more points. So unless CU gets that special teams touchdown, unless CU gets that defensive touchdown, I I just don't see it. I don't see how this offense, whether Shadur plays or not, is going to be able to sustain drives. So it's got to be some tip balls. It's got to be short fields on turnovers. CU is not going to have 12-play EDR drives. Um, against this defense with the way CU's offense has been playing. So it's got to be a three-play ADR drive or a three-play 14-yard drive. You know, that's what it's going to take for CU to, to be competitive. But if nothing else, we can switch over to the Ohio State-Michigan game for at least the first half of the CU game. And then at the halftime of the CU game, when about the Ohio State-Michigan game is over, if the – the game is not worth watching. You'll have to watch the second half. We'll keep track of it for you, Buff fans. Don't worry. The <laughs> report will be on the See You at the Game website, and I will come up with an essay for the game, but feel free to watch some other rivalry games if this one starts getting ugly because if the CU team, the CU players are starting to pack it in, then maybe the CU fan base can you know, be forgiven for not watching the last half of Game 12. So as our last review preview, any last words of wisdom, Neil, before we uh, send everybody off into the night? One cannot tolerate watching the game on Saturday. Pick up on YouTube something from 2001, either the Nebraska game or the Big 12 championship game, uh, or then maybe the 2002 CU visit to UCLA and watch a CU team play very well. It'll be much more satisfying, I think. And two, I hope that somehow the coaches are able to get this team to finish on sort of a, a psychological high so they don't have to rebuild 
everybody's psyche over the, the winter and summer. Yeah. Well, what would it take for you, Brad, to uh, give some positive momentum, even with the six-game losing streak heading into the offseason? I think I, I expect to actually have some positive momentum. I think this team will play better than they played last week, particularly if Shadur plays. Um, I think they – I hope they will show some toughness. I think that's the thing that I would love to see to continue us on through. And then we'll start talking about recruiting and all that that means in 2023, 2024. Um, yep. In the meantime, you know, we'll be a basketball school. And I do note as we close this up recording that uh, Colorado men have survived a run from Mitt Richmond and are now 4-0 on the season. All right. The 18th ranked buffs took down the, the spiders of Richmond. That's a good trivia question. You know, they know the nickname of the Richmond University team of the Spiders. So um, thank you, gentlemen. We will be back not next, early next week, but we are going to give you a little bit of break, come back in like 10 days. And then, yes, we'll start talking about the transfer portal and how many players are going to be leaving. You can't bring in players if you don't lose players, and we're going to lose them before we get them. So brace yourself for that, Buff fans. And thank you, gentlemen. We will talk again very soon. Thanks, guys. Have a good holiday. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you both for listening to the podcast and for being a member of the Buff Nation. I hope you are subscribing to the podcast so you won't miss any of the upcoming episodes. We have partnered with Mile High Sports and are pleased to be part of their podcast network. As always, you can find the See What the Game podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other podcast sites. Or, if you're not a fan of downloading podcasts, all of the episodes can be listened to at the See What the Game website. I'll be back in about 10 days with Neil and Brad, and we will give you a look back at the 2023 season and a first look at some of the roster changes coming for the 2024 campaign. Until then, be well, stay safe, and go Buffs! Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to seeyouatthegame at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time, when we will again see you at the game.